Ooh, the top one's going. I thought maybe uh, Mason Laurie was coming on the program. Boston Bruins defenseman, right? That's where he's from. Yeah. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Way down south. I wonder, I wonder if tag, he was just... Go Tigers. Yeah. I wonder if he... Like, I like. I don't know. Like I know he played in Green Bay for in the USHL before mm-hmm. he went on to play uh, college hockey at Ohio State. But you never know. Like, you know, did he... Was he born there? Did he move you know, to the northern states? Did he, uh, is he playing hockey in Baton Rouge as a young boy? On the swamp? Yeah, you imagine that. A lot of gators, crocs, snakes. Bugs. Bugs. All sorts. Spiders. All sorts of critters. Varmint. CFCW critters. (laughs) You know what's so funny about the critters? And because I worked a summer with the CFCW out and kind of on the road truck going around all the swamp. And people ask me like, we had this critter costume sometimes for parades, <laughs> and I thankfully only had to wear it once. But people would ask like, "What is it?" Because it's just called the critter, and I like I was like, "I don't know. It's just like a general varmint. Like it's something Elmer Fudd would hunt." But outside of that, I have no more because sp- it's like it's intentionally ambiguous. Is it a coyote? Is hmm. it a possum? Is it a rat? Don't we don't know. know. I have no clue. No, me neither. And I've skated on a line with it. <sighs> You mean what Pat's dressed up as? You're talking the critter. Well, it's like a, it's like a not a. It's a, no. See, you don't know. We we don't know what it is. Could like be a, anything. I don't know. Well, it's it's general. No one's told you or what? It's the critter. Yeah, I get it, but it's got to be an animal. No, it's just like I said. It's intentionally ambiguous. Hmm. I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to it. Are you in or do you want to do that text first? I think that was a cool, I got to get to this text because it's on my mind. Uh, this is from Tiger. Uh, Kevin, it's really cool to hear all about hear about your fellow, the Duke there and how his dad built a dance floor. I'd like to hear you guys talk about a real Ukrainian wedding with the midnight lunch and the way that the table gets deconstructed with cheese and pieces of pickle left over on empty plates and mustard. Is midnight lunch something that's exclusive to Ukrainian weddings? Wow, I don't know. I've never been to a wedding that didn't didn't have have a midnight lunch. But maybe it's the kielbasa, you know, and the whole bit. They used to do, you know, the other thing at midnight, because in the old days, the the bride and groom would come in in their, uh, they would change from their wedding dress and their whatever suit to another, their getaway clothes is Mm -hmm. what they called it. Mm -hmm. And then another thing that people would do, they would pass the bride's shoe around, right? Yeah. And stuff dollar, you know, dollar bills back in the day or whatever. Yeah, that, that still happens. It doesn't happen at every wedding I go no. to anymore, but like I said, usually the smaller town ones, um, not in the form of the shoe, but just a jar. Yeah. We, we Usually the empty, the empty pickled eggs jar <laughs> off the counter at the bar, uh, give it a quick rinse, and yeah, I pass it around the whole hall and get uh, some, you know the honeymoon fund uh, filled up for the uh, the new couple. Haven't, uh, I was at a wedding last summer, the summer before, but it's not. it seems weddings are, you know, I don't know. Haven't been to a lot of them recently. My, my schedule slowed down. Uh, the initial wave of like, you know, it's it's a, it's a stereotype, but yeah. it's true that small town. A lot of people get married a little bit younger, and whether it's the high school sweethearts or shortly thereafter, and um, you know, keeping in the the local stream. So there was a big rush right when I was like still at the U of A and yeah. shortly out. Slowed down, but now I've kind of got the next wave of a lot of my friends from university are now getting married. I've got uh, one out in Victoria this fall couple this summer got to go back up to manning alberta wait till they start sending you uh the uh, destination wedding invites duke went to one been to one i went there 
two springs ago to Mexico. That was for a, a girl, oh, yeah, that a was girl I went one, to yeah. high school with. Yeah, you mentioned My that only one. time doing the all-inclusive. And <laughs> what a treat. What a treat. <laughs> All right, let's get to it. Are you in or are you out? Okay, okay, you know what? Moving too fast. Bottom line, are you in or are you out? In or out of what? No time for questions, just action. In or out. Well, then I'm out. I'm sorry, Jet. Actually, you're already in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I thought you would go, I'm in, Bob. We would have had a really cool moment, but uh, you kind of ruined the whole thing. Here you go, Bob. Edmonton Oilers getting off the schneid last night, snapping their little three-game skid with a 4-2 win over the LA Kings at Rogers Place. Uh, heading down the stretch and into the playoffs, I personally am confident in a top-six group as it stands. Hyman, McDavid, Drysaddle, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and Evander Kane, and then a rotating cast of whomever is at their best. Warren Fogel, Corey Perry, Dylan Holloway. Why not even Matthias Janmark thrown in the mix there? And I think that that top six is good enough for a deep playoff mm. run. I think you're going to have to deal the uh, play the hand uh, that the cards are dealt with you here. Um, this is a different. Okay, what's a deep playoff run? Are you talking Final Four, Finals? Like th- this team is that this top six is capable of taking a team to the conference finals or even the Stanley okay, Cup finals. Okay, so conference finals or at Stanley least, Cup at finals minimum, at yeah. least. Uh, I'm going to probably say I'm out on this just because they're just one guy short. And I would like to see one guy that, and I think Fogel at times can be that guy. And I think Perry at times can be that guy. Holloway is not that guy yet. So I'm I'm out on this in the sense that they're, I mean, I just would love, wouldn't it be like Patrick Kane, just, Patrick Kane. We know it's never happening. It's not happening. But someone of that ilk could come in. You're going to have to give up a lot for him. I don't know if 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 Jake Gensel's the answer. I don't know if he is. But I just don't think the way the roster's constructed right now to go to the conference final, maybe. But with those three guys that you're mentioning, just not quite enough yet. I just keep looping back, and I've changed my tune on this over the course of the season as I've seen more of Warren Fogle in the top six and Corey Perry taking spins there as well. Because initially, I think we had this as like one of the initial ins or outs uh, back in the, the late fall, early winter, was that I said a top six forward should be the priority for Ken Holland. Now fast forward to where we are, and, and I... And I, I, when I say this, it's not an indictment on the likes of Cody Ceci because I think he's a good mm-hmm. NHL defenseman. But if you're looking at one spot where you want to turn this team from a good team to a Stanley Cup winning team, it is an upgrade in the top four of your defense. And so with the limited assets the Oilers have to to make upgrades across the roster, I don't you you can't do both. You cannot get a top six forward and a top four defenseman. Okay, and, also, well, and also the dollars and cents I would make sense. I think the assets are there. They have a first-round pick. They have a guy like who I would never if, trade if in But if you're Broberg. talking about a difference maker to no, bring in, but it's the, going to take more than just a first-round pick. Yeah, but you're going to be – you're talking, okay, a first-round pick. Now you're talking a Broberg. You're talking whatever else that the, that the Oilers have in the farm. But you're also talking about salary going out. Yeah, and so like that's the unfortunate thing. So now you're we, subtracting. We you're Tyson, subtracting Fogel. Tyson Berry had to be a, a kind of victim of it last year. Like mm-hmm. I said, nothing, nothing against the guy, but to make the money work, and you need an asset going out the other way. Cody Cece would be part of this to to bring in somebody. And once again, or this it's is, Fogel. It, Warren Fogel would unfortunately maybe be the case, but I think you'd rather shell out more 
in terms of draft picks or another the the problem is they always don't have a lot of you know top tier prospects i agree with you i don't you're not giving up on broberg yet because if you're trading broberg maybe you don't trade the first instead there's a lot of factors and we also don't even know what the market's really going to be because nothing's happened yet outside of the the lindholm and and monahan trades which are which were unique so and i here's the other thing duke i i hate making trades just for the make for the sake of doing it right i hate that i hate that I, yeah, I, I, I agree. I yeah. agree with that sentiment, but I just think, like, this team is good, but are they Stanley Cup championship good yet? Well, I mean, you got to go through Vegas, okay? you got to go through Vancouver, and I think that they can... They're, how they showed against Vancouver isn't what this team is. This team isn't what, what this was at the start of the year. This team we saw against Vegas... In Vegas, game number 17, could have easily won that game. Mm-hmm. Could have easily won the game. Vegas, again, now all Eichel's coming back, but, I mean, Stone's out. So this team is just as good. You need some good fortune to beat uh, teams like Vegas and Vancouver. But, again, this to your question, I'm saying they need just a little bit more, uh, just a tiny bit more. Something so. else. Okay. Yeah. Uh, number two, Evan Bouchard, uh, been a hot topic of conversation this morning. He did get a little victimized on the first goal of the night for LA, but, or pardon me, second goal, but rebounded nicely. And then, of course, contributing with a, a goal and an assist later, including the game winner. Mm. Uh, assuming Evan Bouchard stays healthy this season, it will uh, it will end up being his career high in both goals and points. You're saying ever. Like down the road? It is so hard for, like, he's going to put up 90 points this year and yeah. possibly 20 goals. That, doesn't, ha- that's, that yeah. doesn't happen all the time. I'm going to be out on this because, I mean, this he's a young guy still. This is a young guy. You've got one of the top power play goal units going. I'm going to say he, he, I think he could get 80 points this year, 85. I think he could get 85 or 90 next year. He's that good offensively. He he is, and, and I'm not taking anything away no. from that. I'm just saying, like, look at the decrease in the Oilers' power play effectiveness from last year to this. It, of course. And all, he's all, still point a game. All-time high. Like, it, it, you know, you can't put up historic seasons back-to-back. That's, that's very near impossible to do. But teams are going to continue to adapt and take different things away. So he's still going to be a producer on the power play. But... As if this team continues to get better, yeah. I think in theory he sees less five on five minutes. I'm out. I'm out. So he's going to be 80 points this year. 80 points this year minimum. Minimum, minimum okay. for sure. So I think he could get 90 next year. Okay, so fair enough. For a guy that's 24 what years old. What about on old, the goal side? On the goal side? Like, yeah. He's, he's, I mean, 20 goals is massive by for a, defenseman. For a defenseman. that's Massive. Yeah. So I'm – no, I'm so out on this. Yeah, I think he can get 80 this year, and I think he can get 90 next year. And I'll be honest – I think depending on roster construction, to, and here's the thing, I don't even know if they can afford them down the road. Yeah. So if there's a possibility that they can do a bridge contract somehow. And another sticked, one. Another one, and he sticks around and wants to be a part of this moving forward after his deal comes uh, to fruition, he could get 100 points. See, I, I, like, I just don't think he, he's effective enough at 5-on-5 five five to do that. But he's only going to get better 5-on-5. Five he can't Hy- get worse. Hypothetically. No, I, I, so I'm out. So, yeah, whatever he gets this year, I think he'll surpass it. Having, he's got to be in the right situation. Right spot. The yeah. right spot is going to – and, I mean, yeah, yeah. like I said, if, if he were to move on from the Oilers because Price playing so well, he priced himself out of town, <laughs> you lose the opportunity to be playing with Connor and Leon on the power play a couple times a night, right? 
So Mitchell texts in, zero chance that he gets 80 points this year. That's a pretty bold statement as wow. he has 56, 56 through 56 games. Wow. Yeah. I, I w- certainly wouldn't put the chance at zero. Uh, number three, some uh, some rumors starting to swirl around that uh, Elias Pettersson and the Vancouver Canucks not making much headway in terms of a contract extension. Pettersson, of course, mm-hmm. uh, having a terrific season as uh, along with his team, the Canucks, and a lot of his teammates. Wherever Pettersson's next contract is, whether it's with Vancouver or possibly elsewhere, I'm saying it will make him the fourth highest paid, or at least in terms of AAV, okay. in the league next season behind Matthews, McDavid, and McKinnon. So he would loop, he would go ahead of a guy like Panarin, Panarin and Pasternak? Yeah. I like Pedersen, but I'm not paying him that. I'm not paying him that it would. It would need him to have an AV of over 11.6. That's currently yeah. Panarin's. Yeah, okay, I'm out on this one. And maybe that's why. That's why this contract negotiation is going nowhere. He wants $12 million a year. I am not paying him that. And I understand. I understand the fact that the cap is going to go up. I, I get the fact that he's a top 10 scorer in the NHL right now. He's having a phenomenal season. I don't think you can. And if you're going to pay him $11 million a year, I'm fine with that. And get him for eight years. Mm-hmm. I'm fine with that deal then. So uh, I'd say I'm out on him being the fourth highest. Yeah, like like I said, if he stays in Vancouver, I don't think he will be. But if it if it really comes to blows and he departs elsewhere, you're telling me there isn't a team that's like this is a guy who's a selkie mm-hmm. caliber forward, looking like you know Art Ross conversation forward potentially. Um, you know, it's always going to be tough as long as Connor McDavid and Nikita Kucherov and McKinnon are in the league. But like I said, top ten scorer, uh, he's got a bit of a mean streak. Like he does so many things well that you're looking at like a franchise cornerstone type player. And right now, what's the going rate for those guys? 11 plus million dollars. 11 plus. Um, do you think he ever signs a bridge? So he's restricted, 25 years old. Maybe he signs a bridge and then what? I, I don't see that happening. I, I think the bridge the bridge contract right now is much more reserved for the tweeners guys. The likes of uh, what we saw Evan Bouchard sign last year where it's like, yeah, we know there's something left. There's still more in there. But and so the player realized, like, yeah, I have a, I don't want to lock into a team friendly deal for too long, but I still got more to prove to to up my value, and the team take the benefit of the lower cap it for a couple of years. They're like the Pedersen's, like he's a full fledged superstar. Vancouver has some money coming off the books next year. They have a, a little bit to play with. Having said that, they also have to look at a guy like Elias Lindholm. Do they want him to be a part of things moving forward as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of factors mm-hmm. in play for sure. Last night, Toronto Raptors uh, upset the Indiana Pacers, won 30-22. And Scotty Barnes putting up his fourth triple-double of the season, which, if I heard Kayla Gray's post-game interview comments correct, is the most that a Raptor has had in a single season. This has been a... a hmm. You talk about hot-button conversations as the Raptors kind of go through this retool phase. Is Scotty Barnes, you know, a face of a franchise-type player? And I'm saying he is. He is yeah. the. Uh, he will grow into that top-tier superstar the Raptors have not had since Kawhi Leonard's departure. And five blocks, too, last night, I think. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, he was phenomenal last night. I agree with you here. I'm going to I'm gonna go, I'm in. This has got to be the face of the franchise moving forward. And they, I think as a team, they need this. They got to make a call here. They got to figure out who that they're going to be building this team around. 
because they've lost all the faces. They lost Pascal Siakam. They lost OG. They're bringing in a lot of guys like, you know, the Canadians coming in. And, and, and that too. helps for the short, the short term. Yeah. Of, and RJ Barrett, great player. Like, yeah. that, that, he's a long-term solution. But I think the likes of Kelly Olnick and stuff, like, yeah. you know, so the Canadian flavor, that helps for a team that's not probably going to be in a, a realistic playoff hunt down the stretch. You still want to fill Scotiabank Arena. You still want to have the fans uh, beating the drum for this team. So I, I think the local, the, the Canadian flavor helps with that. But I agree 100%, Kevin, that yeah. like you got you to gotta make some choices on the likes of uh, like Gary Trent Jr. and stuff, who I don't think is probably long uh, for this team. Bruce Brown came over um, in one of their mini uh, pre-deadline deals. So I think the like, like Scotty Barnes, R.J. Barrett, and probably what we've seen Emmanuel quickly uh, in somewhat of a limited role thus far, I think he's a. Uh, I think he's probably going to be a future of this team, at least in the next season, if not beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the face of the franchise. Last one for you, Kev. This day in 1996, Pokemon. <laughs> See it for the first time on the Game Boy in Japan. It also is Pokemon Day uh, across the world. Pokemon and its many iterations, which has probably climbed into the triple digits at this point, I think. Uh, it's the best game ever made for a mm. handheld video game system. Well, I'm, I'm not qualified to answer this. You, know, you didn't even have like a Game Boy like when on the traveling around with team and stuff? No, something to uh, do on the planes? We, or? Um, we had a base, when I was a lot younger, we had a baseball game, but two, and you could play by yourself mm-hmm. or you could play with another guy on the other side. It was mm-hmm. cool. Great. I played with Darren Walls every day. Uh, 77 Yankees versus the 77 Dodgers. It was unbelievable. A classic. It was great. But we had to keep score ourselves. It wasn't, yeah. you know. Then there was the, there's that Coleco one, that one, it's the football one. Oh that, yeah, that like one. the one that's in the episode of Seinfeld? It could be, yes. That's the one that I'm saying is the best one. That that one came to mind yeah. for sure. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm, in, I'm not putting any restrictions on this to give us a wide scope. So I'd lo- <laughs> love to hear from the listeners, like, like I had a Game and Boy, held, I had yeah. a Game Boy Advance and the, like Pokemon was the only game I had for it. And it was just like the original, like red or whatever the first one was. But like the PSP, like the handheld PlayStation, Grand Theft Auto was great on that. I had a mm-hmm. buddy with that. Very popular on hockey road trips to pass that one around. Um, Mario and some of the newer ones where the graphics got better was pretty good. But like the Pokemon was so simple and so like it's pretty crude in reality, right? Yeah. But you could play forever. Like there's the, mm-hmm. you eventually get to the end of the the story of the game, but you can keep looping back around and keep building your team and battling all the other critters in the grass and stuff. All the critters. <laughs> yeah, that that should become an honorary Pokemon <laughs> critter. Nails, your buddy texted in. The critter is similar to a nails. People are very unsure as to what they are. <laughs> and like I said, ambiguous, intentionally ambiguous. so. Good stuff, Duke. Uh, that's two for two, just you and I. We got Schlemmer back tomorrow, so we'll be able to offer a little third party, little third party action. Also, Chris Dingman is going to be coming into studio, I think, tomorrow. Uh, so it'll be uh, Dinger and uh, Schlemmer together in the studio. Uh, when we come back, uh, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Luke Pierce, will guest with us on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. Text coming in regarding, uh, you know, the weddings and things like that. Uh, Beer Man says, I used to work a karaoke bar. Uh, we we found the DJ would put on Paradise by the Dashboard Light, a, a long song, so he'd go outside and take care of a little bit of uh, business. Uh, Jordan says, Black Eyed Peas, I got a feeling, New Age. New Age song. Hmm. We'll get to some of your texts uh, in a little bit. Uh, time now to welcome in uh, Luke Pierce back to Sports 1440. Head coach, uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Good morning, Luke. Welcome back to the big program. 
Good morning, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for hopping on. Uh, so in a game like tomorrow when you have an 11 o'clock start in Calgary, do you guys go down later this afternoon or wake up really early in the morning and bust down? Yeah, I know. It'd be a little little too early. So we'll <laughs> head down uh, head down after practice here today and uh, get checked in and, and get a good rest here hopefully before uh, – Another early start. Yeah, it's a, just a weird timing, I suppose. You know, with an eleven o'clock, it's the hockey hooky, similar that you guys had last week. That game that you played against Calgary, I hope people didn't leave at the end uh, because they sure missed out on a hell of an ending, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. It was a wild one. I mean, not uh, not exactly a coach's dream, but I think uh, you know, exciting one for the fans and and for our players. It was a big one. Uh, we've had a little bit of a a mental block here with Calgary this year and I think just to get that out of the way and, and win in such dramatic fashion was uh, do wonders here for our group and, and their confidence. Mm-hmm. So just to touch on after that 5-4 win, uh, pretty good weekend Friday and, and Sunday then at home against uh, Wenatchee. Just touch on the weekend and how things have been going for the team. Yeah, it's been good. I mean, even prior to that, you know, we won back-to-back here with Red Deer, which is which is really big for us too and then, uh, you know, had a bit of a shootout there with, uh, with Medicine Hat but, uh, yeah, going to the weekend after winning that hockey hooky game and, you know, feeling pretty good about ourselves. And we won a real tight road game down in Lethbridge, which is important for our group. We haven't been in a lot of those. And um, just to, to find a way to win on a day you travel down and get out to a real good first period and, and catch a lead and then just kind of do what we needed to do to hang on and, and get out of there with the points. And, and then it's kind of a similar story Sunday here at home. A really, really good first period. Um, I think you know we outshot them sixteen to four or something in that range, and just got ourselves out to a you know not a really comfortable lead, but a good lead, and then um, you know managed to kind of hold the fort to to get the points, and maybe not the prettiest of games, but for us right now, it's it's about learning how to win games in different manner, and um, you know really good for our for our group and our confidence. Luke Pierce, our guest on Sports 1440. We've had you on a number of times over the course of the last several months, Luke, and every time we talk, it's about uh, how tough it's been injury-wise. And uh, you kept saying, oh, man, never seen anything like it. Talked to Kurt Hill about a week ago as well uh, at an Oilers game, and same thing. Kurt said, never seen anything like it. But uh, are you starting to kindly, finally, it's at the end of the year, but getting a little bit healthier? Yeah, we went through a decent stretch there where we were pretty healthy. Um following the break and then uh we're back into the hour you know we played this weekend with with three affiliate players in our lineup and um great for those young guys to get in and play some games and they all fared very well so i think it speaks well to the future of our organization but um we probably only lasted two three weeks there with with a fairly healthy lineup and now back with uh with lots of guys uh, on the shelves for different reasons and hopeful to get a few of them back before the end of the year and, and see if we can ice a, a full lineup again at some point. But um, something we've gotten used to and I think, you know, for our guys just built up that resiliency and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, moving forward, if, if we're going to face these situations again, we're, we're much better prepared to handle that. Yeah, and one of those young players, uh, Luke, obviously is Joe Aginla, and um, he's come up and played a handful of games for you. He's played the five, so uh, what are your thoughts on what he contributed uh, to uh, the team this year as being such a young player? Yeah, very impressed. I mean, he's going to be a fun one to have and to watch for our fan base. I think it's anytime you have those players who just love to score goals, it's uh, it's always exciting. And, you know, he's got such a big personality too. Um you know, uh, brings a lot of energy and life to your dressing room, but you can just see in the way that he practices and even, you know, uh, put him on the ice here on a five on three against Medicine Hat. And, you know, usually a kid at that age, you're probably looking to defer to some older players and things like that, but you can just see he wants to score and he scored.
scored a beautiful goal on that play and, um, you know, had two in that game. So he's, uh, like I said, I think obviously a incredible pedigree with the family and, and what they've been able to do. But for Joe himself, I think just that instinct of, of one or score goals is going to be a lot of fun. Is it different to Luke when you have players like, you know, Blake Fiddler, you got Joe again, and you see, you know, their dads played, uh, you know, obviously at the, the best level ever. Uh, do you see that, you know, maybe filtering down to, to a young, young player, maybe more so than an, another player? Is it hard to read or, is, or am I just out in left field here? No, there's certainly something to that, Kevin. I think it's, um, I've, I've been fortunate enough to coach some, some, um, some players with, with fantastic pedigree from their lineage of family, you know, parents who played in the NHL and had long careers. And, there's usually, you know, a couple different things that stand out for me. And one is that they get what it takes, um, you know, so they understand the demands and um, the little bit of extra that you have to do all the time uh, if you want to be an elite player. So you don't have to really teach them that part of, you know, watching video, putting extra time in the gym, staying on the ice after practice, working on skills. Like they usually have that understanding. And then the, the other part sometimes is they're – there's a lot of pressure on them and that's the hardest part I think trying to help them navigate through is they feel like they've got to live up to something that um, you know right away at a young age and it's just kind of helping them navigate that they're also going to make mistakes and it's okay to go through that and you're not going to be a superstar immediately and um, just you know trying to manage that the the pressure that they put on themselves they have extremely high demands and I think you find that of all high performers but especially guys with uh, with those expectations of of trying to live up to uh, mm-hmm. you know family name yeah you know uh, Luke just even and it's not a comparable it's just, just bringing it up you see a, a guy like Evan Bouchard make a couple of mistakes last night but then he rebounds do you find it with these young kids that they rebound quicker now after making a mistake than what they did several years ago? Um, I think it's, I don't know. I, I would say it's probably, I would almost say it's the opposite. I think okay. there's still some that can do it very well. But, I mean, these guys, uh, I find a lot of them, at, uh, that's one of the biggest teaching points we have with young players is about what do you do after your mistakes. And, uh um, you know, maybe that's just the group that we've had to work with the last few years. But I, I think in general, they, they're so conscious of all their errors because <laughs> they're plastered all over everywhere. You don't get to get away from them. They're all mm-hmm. captured on video. They're all, you know, you got to watch them over and over again. So I think that's a very good coaching point to allow players to get out there again and, you know, play right after mistakes and just live through that because it's they can get in their own heads and kind of overthink those a lot of the times. Luke Pierce, our guest on Sports 1440, one uh, player I wanted to talk in particular, and we did mention it with Blake Fiddler. How how have you seen his progression and how he's evolved as a, a real young player, just, you know, trying to find his way in the Western League? Oh, he's been tremendous, I think, for Blake. it's You start the year trying to help just ease them into it, and you never probably anticipate a 16-year-old defenseman in this league playing 20-plus minutes a night on average. I mean, once in a while you would – you would push them into those minutes uh, on certain nights, but just with the circumstances of our group and the injuries we've talked about that we've had and um, the nature of how Blake has played, he's, he's gotten into that. He's, he's almost 20 minutes a night every night since probably middle of November. And there's been days you can tell it's worn on him and it's, he's been, he's been a little bit worn out, but as a overall, it's, it's just been an, incredible growth for him and I think it's going to pay massive dividends here uh, as we move forward that he's gotten used to not just playing that many minutes but playing against 
you know, most teams' best lines night in and night out. And uh, he's handled it extremely well. And, you know, we're pretty excited about his growth and, and what that means for him and, and the organization moving forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, another player in particular I wanted to address as we were kind of nearing the end of the season. And then, of course, the draft is coming up, and that's Adam Jaco. Uh, what have you seen from him as far as, uh, you know, improving? What does he need to work on to uh, maybe take it to the next level? Yeah, Adam's been pretty consistent for us. He's had a few lulls, and uh, as most young players do, but I think overall, like night in, night out, he carries his own line, and uh, he's responsible for kind of driving that. And um, the one area I think that everybody's trying to encourage Adam to continue to grow in is just is showing maybe a little bit more of his competitiveness. And yeah. he's not one of those guys. He's not a really. Um, uh, um, you know, outgoing type of personality on the ice. He's a very, you know, quiet, understated young man, but he needs to at times maybe get a little bit more fire in his battles and, and things like that. I, I think it's there. I, I know how driven he is individually. And uh, I think just sometimes people are looking for that more so, especially from some of the European players. And uh, he's done a really good job of that lately. He's got engaged in some more battles and, you know, just finding ways to, to own the space in front of the net and in the corners and such a big body and um, so strong and, and good with the puck down low. And I think, you know, teams are really recognizing that and we know he'll, he'll be a high pick for sure. How can you bring that out more, you know, player? How do you get, how do you just, you know, reach inside and say, hey, man, come on, give me just a little bit more fire? Yeah, I mean, no different than you would teach kids on passing and shooting the basics. And we we show him little clips of areas because I think he, when people push him to be a little more physical and more competitive, he he felt like that was running around trying to hit people. And I I don't know many guys that are, you know, 6'5 in the NHL that can do that. It's, It's hard, it's taxing, it's, you would be exhausted trying to. So it's just showing him the little areas where he goes in on an angle and cuts a guy off that just bump this guy or you stop in front of that and the guy gives you a push, we're like, give him a shot back. And it's just ways that he can sell himself, um, you know, as far as what he's willing to do to stand in there and, and live through the punishment day to day that top players are going to receive. And he's done a really good job of, of taking that and applying it to his game. And uh, I'll give him a ton of credit. I mean, this is a big learning curve coming over from Europe. He's played nothing but man on man systems, you know, his, past three four years you're learning a totally different structure and then also the ice surface and all those things so he's had a massive learning curve and uh i would say that he's exceeded what uh, the expectation mm-hmm. probably was you know sometimes i guess luke we forget that the, you know they're just young kids and you know you're coming from a whole new country you got the language you got everything else how's he been able to handle that transition yeah outstanding he's extremely mature he, he spent last year in Finland, so he'd already been away from home and, you know, changing languages and things like that. So his English is outstanding. Um, you know, he's very, very personable, so he gets along well with different people. And But you're right. I mean, it's a, it's a massive jump, and they have a lot of the pressure that most of our players here at home have people around them to, you know, go home and visit with mom and dad or have mom and dad come for a weekend to watch games, and you can kind of relax and be yourself. And open up about some of the things maybe that are bothering you or you're struggling with. And Adam doesn't have that luxury. So uh, we're lucky to have, as you know, Laddie around that can, you know, can, can give him that support. And, um, you know, a lot of other great staff members here with our team that, uh, you know, make him feel comfortable and welcome. Uh, you know, Laddie's been such an important part, and what's it been like? Guess like you know, he comes on every Thursday. He's our co-host, and we've talked about his, um, you know, contribution to the team and how much that he's uh, helped these young guys along. Can you just sort of address that a little bit here, Kurt? 
Yeah, I just think people, you know, Lottie is such a great person that, he, and you know, he comes in here as a volunteer basically once a week just to check in and see how guys are doing. And then he, he'll go on the ice. He's open to anything that we ask of him as far as helping these young players develop. And a lot of the times, Lottie, it's more about the conversation that he's able to have mm-hmm. with some of them, just about what the journey is like and the ups and downs that you go through. And, you know, then he gets them on the ice and um, he pushes guys, but he does it in a way that, uh, you know, they always feel better about themselves and about their game when they come off. And again, he's doing this all just taking time out of his own day to come and help people. And I just think that that's one of the biggest things that stands out about Lottie is, is just how much he cares about not just the game, but about helping helping other people. And mm-hmm. we're certainly lucky to have him around. Yeah, and I mean, the players just love being around him. Yeah, it's hard not to. He's infectious and, you know, that personality, I think, uh, and his drive and, and passion for the sport and for, you know, for improvement. Um, yeah, it just rubs off on people. So we're, we're certainly lucky to have him around. Yeah, we, we see it here, you know, every Thursday when he comes on, Luke. Uh, so just Yeah, he makes you feel guilty about yourself sometimes, <laughs> hey? Yeah, yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> makes you feel lazy. Yeah, yeah you know, he's, come, he's at the gym at 4.30 when, on the Thursdays when he comes in here and, you know, he's... You know, just looking all buff and everything when he walks in the door here. So, uh, run down after uh, the morning game tomorrow in Calgary. Just run down the rest of the week uh, for us, Luke. Yeah, so we come home from the Calgary game, and then uh, we'll, we'll have a quick skate here Thursday. We head down uh, day trip into Medicine Hat, uh, which is which is a bit of a challenge usually, but. Um, come around straight home after that one and play swift current here on saturday at home so two real real good opponents on the weekend and and then uh we'll wrap that up and head out east for our kind of final you know long road trip out to uh saskatchewan and uh you know hopefully keep the positive momentum going here uh nobody uh has eliminated us yet here and we're going to keep fighting to the end and um if we can't get in we'll see just how close we can get and i think that's really important for this team to to see how close we are yeah and plus you just want to finish strong and keep that message positive going into whatever the next step or evolution is yeah i think it's i mean we've we've made significant progress from last year and it's a process we knew this was going to be a long road and you tease yourself once in a while that maybe we're ahead of the mm-hmm. curve but i think you're right in it and you know there's a lot of things that we're uh, we're happy with the progress and there's a lot of areas we know we've we've got to continue to get better at hey luke thanks for spending some time with us this morning uh, good luck tomorrow i'm sure the the saddle dome will be uh, hopping like uh, rogers was a week ago uh, good luck tomorrow and uh, continued success thanks for this yeah, thanks, Kevin. Thanks for the support. All right, that's Luke Pierce, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, Kings in Calgary tomorrow. That's the Hockey Hookie Day for the Hitmen. 11 o'clock start, then they um, head down to Medicine Hat on Friday, then a home game against the Swift Current Broncos on Saturday night, 7 o'clock uh, for that one, if you want to take that one in at Rogers uh, Place. Text coming in, one 401 Duke, here it is. That, that's electronic quarterback. This comes from Trevor C. I had electronic quarterback. Great game. And I believe that's, is that the one that we're sort of talking about? Or is there a th- couple? Maybe there's a couple iterations of it. I, I think they're all comparable. Like kind of like the little, like I said, it's just a little handheld thing. And there's a football. The electronic quarterback, that rings a bell, though, specifically. Yeah. That kind of predates me. It's not like it's not like the easy bake oven that was in the Seinfeld there as well, right? Well, that's the same episode, but yeah, the 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 original GI Joe with the uh, the swimsuit 
the like the scuba suit. Yeah. Just <laughs> plowing her into a big turkey and wine and the the, the best when it, yeah, bef- when like he first gets there and he like picks up the G.I. Joe and yeah. the and the, the scuba suit yeah. thing, she's like, What are you doing? Are you he's doing? he's like, oh. I'm taking these over and we're going in the sink. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> uh, text comes in from Doug. Kevin, thanks very much for having Luke Pierce on the air. For a young coach, I really enjoy his take on today's young players. His knowledge of today's game is way above what has been coached in the past. I really believe Luke has a future in the game, no matter where it takes him. Such a well-spoken, intelligent coach. Agree. Uh, That's uh, from Doug. When we come back, we'll uh, wrap things up. Get to a few more of your texts. 1-833-401-1440. Kevin Carey Show with the Duke. Coming up, wrapping things up on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Is that the Jonas Brothers, Duke? Sure is, Kevin. Is it? What a, I keen, just what a keen ear. It was that. It was. I didn't even have an, a second choice, to be honest with did you. They, did they sing no. that one at the uh, stadium series? I have no clue. I didn't. I Actually, did I see them? Maybe I did watch a little bit of them. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. They didn't I, leave uh, an impact. They, I was I unavailable. I did, actually. Now that I, yeah, I, thought I you did texted, watch it. You texted yes. me about it. Yeah, I might have had a few pops. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. They were they were pretty good. I'm telling you, they put on a great. I'm just trying to remember live that, show. Yeah. Maybe that's what sent I, me off the deep end, and I had to get into the box yeah, of wine like from Seinfeld. Yeah, you're you're sitting there, and you're like, man, am I enjoying the Jonas Brothers? Yeah, and you're like, I guess I better hit the sauce. Try and forget that's exactly about this. what it was. Uh, these are some cool texts. First of all, uh, this was from. Jamie, or no, Jamie, where are you? Jamie, yeah, Jamie Babiak sent, Jamie sends it in. And it was about the, it was ColecoVision and it was the handheld. And that was the one I believe from the Seinfeld. Beep, 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 beep. The, the, that's the quarterback, electronic, electronic quarterback. quarterback. And then he also just followed that up with the, uh, the, the Mattel electronic, electric football. Wow. Well, now the other, the best, the better one was the, the football game with the magnetic and you'd start, you'd put all the, and this, we're talking a tabletop game. Do you remember that one, Duke? Yeah, I think we got a text about that one too from Alfred. The table that vibrated with yes, plastic men on it. Yes, yeah. Alfred, the table that vibrated. I see, I, I don't, I, that one doesn't ring. Okay, that one, me. that was massive when we were growing up. So we're talking probably uh, in the 70s. That was a big, big thing. So what you did was you put all the, the players on the field, you'd line up and it was 11 guys, you'd line them all up and basically you would put the football, which was a little heavier and it was a, it was sort of, sort of a magnetic thing and you could put it on one guy and then you'd fire it up and all these players would just go bananas. So is this like that horse racing thing with the vibrations that you got the, the gun on and you can like control how much it's vibrating your track? I don't think so. You know, this says th- there was a variation. Oh, oh no, I'm thinking, okay, sorry. I'm thinking of something. The, the horse one, you don't control it, but it is, it's just a vibrating table and there's like four horses. They're like little plastic things in slots, but they can get spun around and fall over. And so you, it's like, it's my buddy bought one online a couple, mm-hmm. a couple winters ago. And we'd like played as a drinking game on like Friday or Saturday night in between hands of cards and stuff. So yeah, you'd, you'd put all the players on and you'd have, you'd turn it off and then you'd have them lined up. And as soon as someone touched the guy that was carrying the ball, basically that was the tackle. Mm-hmm. Or if he ran out of bounds, but you didn't have really control of where he was going. Yeah. Um, having said that, that football it was a little it was lead weighted, so it created that that one player in particular to 
move a little differently. Mm. How's that sound? Okay. Yeah, I think the way you're describing it, it sounds like this horse racing thing I'm talking about because it, uh, yeah, like you turn it up a little too high and boom, they all fall over and huh. they rattle themselves right out of their tracks. Well, that's an enter- That's a good way to keep yourself entertained when there's not much else going on. No. Uh, after, you know, a few cold ones with the fellas. <laughs> Mike says head-to-head football was the thing when I was a kid. I'm 52. Mm. Wow. So predating. Be nice my, to be 52. Predating myself a little bit there. Duke. Someday you'll be 52 and you're going to be going, man, remember man, those remember I, those Pokemon days. <laughs> the Pokemans. You know, they, they like it's still so big because they come up with new ones all the time. I don't know any, like. I, I know thought the cards were big. That too, but it's all, it's all the same. And then there's like the version on your phone. Um, it was like all the, like, I can't, what? I think I was still at the U of A when they, like Pokemon Go. It's like an app on your phone. So it's not a real traditional pokemon game but they're like actually out and you like walk around it tells you where they are on like the gps and you like get there and you gotta you gotta catch them all hmm. i didn't do that I, like i said i just like the traditional original there was the original 151 pokemon that was for like the first two games the red and blue i think so when you started uh, uh let's let's call it 15 years ago or 14 years ago half your life ago right more than that no, no, that's, but I'm talking about half your life ago oh, when okay. you're 14, 15. Yeah. Did you have like a, like, what do you call it? The console now that hooked up to the TV or how did it work? Did you have those games? Yeah, I had a couple, like I had a Super NES. That's a PlayStation or whatever? No, no, that's an, like the Super NES, the original Nintendo, like, so there's the original Nintendo, the original NES and the Super NES. I had those when I was quite a bit younger and I played like original Mario on those and Duck Hunt. Hmm. Um, and then I, I got a PlayStation in when I was probably yeah like eight or eight to ten, but then I didn't have it. It broke. I didn't have one for a long time. Once the PS3 came out, I got a, P- a PlayStation Two, and once the PlayStation Four came out, I got a PlayStation Three. Hmm. That was the last one I've owned. It still sits in a, a top shelf in my room back at the farm, uh, collecting dust. Now I'm not a big video game guy. No, it's, it's not. And when I did play, I only play. I played NHL. I played Madden, and that was pretty much it. I think a real like when you're playing a good golf game. That's fun mm-hmm. on, uh, you know, on whatever the setup is. My buddy had a, he was uh, the opposite. He was an Xbox guy, but he had a NASCAR Xbox, Thunder yeah. 2004 for the original Xbox. That was a wicked fun game to play with, like, you know, all four controllers in action. Um, maybe, like I said, you're staying over a night before a road trip hockey game and you're <laughs> up way too late down in the basement doing that. That was a lot of fun. Tiger Texan, in the early 80s, I would get a roll of quarters, drop it into Space Invaders a machine, uh, probably a couple of hours, and that was a lot of money back then. Well, I'll tell you what, Tiger, how's this sound? And we had Eddie Steele in here talking about when he was a young man wearing the clown suit at the flower <laughs> shop on the corner, making big bucks as a 12-year-old. When I was 10 years old, Duke, I was the Dickie D ice cream salesman. Mm-hmm. And I used to pi- bike around and I made a ton of money. And I bought an Atari. Oh. An Atari back in the day. It cost, in 1977, it cost $400. Holy. That's, four, a, that's a lot. Four, but I paid for every dime of it. From but your I, ice cream route. I, but hey, I was making big coin as a 10-year-old. Were you getting tips? No, no tips. Oh. But one day I made, and I'm not lying, I made $175 in one day. That was the big... That was lo- you were a millionaire. Oh, I was making massive cash. <laughs> I had I bought it. I had the best glove in town, Duke. I had a skateboard. I had it all, man. 
And, you know, plus I ate as much Dickie D ice cream as, there I, you go. as I wanted. And, but you, know, you were biking, right? So you were still working fantastic wor- physical working it off condition. at the same time. That, that was a hard rig up the hill, man. Plus you had to ring the bell, too. And those cartridges, carrying those ice cartridges, Duke. <laughs> it was 25 cents for a fudgicle or a rebel, 20 cents for a popsicle, 30 cents for a drumstick, Duke. When you're at like arenas now, yeah. and and uh, forgive me, this is just pure ignorance on my part, but like in the city and stuff, it's the same. Like at all these hundred different arenas we have in Edmonton, like the the Ketka concessions still right, Even Part- like a concession stand. Like inside, like the Terwilliger Arena, yeah, like where yeah. you can go get a burger, fries. But do they still got like the the row of plastic containers of the candy and five cent candy? Maybe they're ten cents. Now. Yeah, well, know. they used to be Red Hots and another. oh, like the, the little green frogs, yeah. blue whales, sour soothers. Yes. That was that was the real treat when. Uh, well, that's the next wave. They were Red Hots. There was another name you can't say anymore. Um, Licorice Kids. <laughs> That's not what they were called. That but. is not what they were called, and my dad uh, has yeah. had to change because he's still like. Mm-hmm. That's what we get him for Christmas every year is a big bag of licorice yeah. kids. Case I, I also like they were ten cents. They were the black licorice pipes with the red dots on the end. That oh looked yeah, like that was on fire. Yeah, that was a big thing back in the day. Hmm. Uh, Wade from Drayton Valley says, uh, I fired up the old Sega Genesis last night. <laughs> Played NHL 97, Oilers versus Az. Patrick Waugh cleared the puck down the ice, blew it by Joaquin Gage and scored. <laughs> I shut it off after that. <laughs> oh, Gager. Tough one. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon, Alfred says, was originally a military experiment for mind control. Big success. That can't be true, is okay, it? Okay, Alfred. I'll, uh, I'll take your word on that one. Can't be true. And not believe it. <laughs> yeah, blue whales, Husk says. That's another Th- one. Those are, those are yeah. like all-time candy for me. I bought a package at the dollar store down here last week for a little uh, post-show treat. They weren't, they must be like an off-brand version because they weren't quite the same. The blue, the blue whales? Yeah. Bought a package of them. They weren't quite hmm. as good as I remembered. Yeah, so they, like almost like a little bit too sweet. And shoelaces were a big thing back then. Remember those? Mm-hmm. Or not? Do they still have them? Probably. Yeah, a lot of Can- people. Candy doesn't really change. Well, no, but you're not. You don't have. You don't have the the displays now where you just go in and people are sticking their hands in there. Well, no, you got it. Like you still can get it at like um, bulk superstore, bulk yeah. barn place. Like, and you, but you got to use the shovels, Kevin. You can't just stick your hands into these. <laughs> not sticking your head in there and just going <laughs> just down, you know. eating it like a dog out of its bowl. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I like when at, at like bulk barn and stuff. I like to go and get myself a big bag of saltwater taffy. Uh so, oh yeah, that's not bad. That's yeah. some of my favorite candy. Hmm. I don't think it's very good for me. Not that any candy is, I guess. Even Huss says blue whales don't taste the same yeah, anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Something off. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much to all our guests today. Had another uh, fun, fun show. And, and thanks to you, our listeners, for being a big part of it. Couldn't do it without you, for sure. Uh, Zach Lang, Oilers Nation, uh, led things off at uh, 7.20. Then we had the uh, double-barrel shotgun of our hockey insiders at 8 o'clock and 8.20. Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli from Rogers Sportsnet and the Daily Faceoff. Ryan Divish, some great uh, insight with the Seattle Mariners as they are getting ready. Man, it was cool when he was talking about the Jays fans going in there and just invading Seattle every year. Curtis Pashelka, Bay Area News Group. The Sharks are going to be probably busy when it comes to the next 10 days. And then Luke Pierce from the Edmonton Oil Kings. The Oil Kings get ready for their Hockey Hookie Day in Calgary. They had it here last week in Calgary tomorrow. 
at 11. And speaking of tomorrow, we're back with uh, a co-host in the studio. It'll be David Schlemko for Cougar Payton Collision at 9 o'clock. Also, Chris Dingman, Stanley Cup champion and uh, all-around just salt-of-the-earth kind of guy will be with us uh, in studio as well, we think, at 9 o'clock. So we'll, uh, we'll uh, spin things around with Schlemmer and Chris Dingman tomorrow. And, of course, the Oilers get ready for the St. Louis Blues tomorrow night. The Blues are in Winnipeg uh, this evening. Coming up next on Sports 1440, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Oshep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn at 11 o'clock. That will be. And then at 12 till 2, it's the lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Jason Greger drives us home with the Jason Greger Show from 2 till 6. We're back here at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. Thanks so much for everybody listening and sending in all the great texts to our text line. Really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning. Up next, Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, here's the Duke with a Sports 1440 update. Have a great one, everyone.